Welcome to episode 84 of Daily Guy, a podcast between two friends about the latest in society, politics, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tankilisen. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, we're going to start off the year properly with a good old positive episode, except not so positive. We're going to talk about the flooding that happened on New Year's Eve in Jakarta and break down not just what happened, but also some of the other factors at play that brought one of the worst episodes of flooding over 20 years to the to our hometown. So here's to it. Hujan yang tanpa henti mengguyur Jakarta sejak 31 Desember 2019 hingga 1 Januari 2020 menghadirkan puluhan titik banjir di Jakarta. Dan berikut beberapa data banjir Jakarta yang dihimpun Badan Nasional. So, Happy New Year, uh, listeners. I hope everyone had a good break. And uh, unfortunately, the year did not start off in a good way, as you can probably tell from our intro. Uh, yeah, there's flooding in our hometown of Jakarta. We also have to say... That we're also concerned about the bushfires in Australia affecting millions of people. But this week we're going to focus on the flooding in Jakarta and talking about essentially what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want to say that this is our hometown. Like We grew up anticipating flooding every year during the rainy season of January and February. Um, and it's not that it's a surprise that flooding happened. It's more of like the extent of the flooding that has happened this year, killing 66 people. As Stephanie mentioned, right, we, we grew up in Jakarta. We've experienced this all our lives. Uh, but there's something about the flooding happening literally on the eve of the new year, like yeah. from 31st December into the 1st of January. It's just like, wow, this is such a crazy start to the year. All right. Like you wake up. On the very first day of 2020, and there are stories of people completely submerged. Like I saw one of our close friends' house being like flooded. Oh wow! His his house is insanely like flooded. Um, so it was just like the surrealness of just like waking up and and seeing people's houses and you know people just being impacted in such unimaginable ways. Um, I, I just felt like we have to talk about it. This is you know this is not just an, one of those oh Jakarta got flooded stories. This is an important. Uh, environmental episode yeah and hundreds of thousands of people are still being displaced and i think when we hear this news today we can't unlike maybe 10 years ago in 2007 which is the other really bad flood that i remember um it can't be divorced from climate change and global warming right just the effect Mm -hmm. of worsening weather and also like usually at least in my memory, like flooding is more in February, like, but this is coming earlier. So, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of, this is, cannot be divorced from the reality that it's climate change and 400,000 people are still displaced and just waiting to be able to come back home. And as you said earlier, right, as, as Stephanie mentioned earlier, the fact that extreme bushfires are happening in Australia, almost showing like the other extreme of what could happen with climate change is just, mm-hmm. is 
and in rel- that's the relatively like closer proximity to us, right? It's like exactly. a similar hemisphere. <laughs> it's insane uh, to think about like these two extreme weather situations happening um, in regions close to one another, and somehow people are still saying climate change is not real. It's just it's just mind boggling. Yeah. So what really happened, Sweden? So uh, a few days before uh, New Year's Eve on the thirty first. The bodies and agencies in Indonesia, in particular in Jakarta, that's responsible for weather watches, have actually predicted the possibility of heavy rainfall and strong winds, right? Yeah. The Meteorology, Climatology, and Geophysical Agency have sent messages to the government, to the regional government, saying like, oh, uh, there's probably going to be a lot of rain over the next few days, so you know, maybe you should prepare. But that's about the extent of it, right? Early forecasting. And then on December 31st, um, by the evening, there started to be regular monsoon rain. And for a lot of Jakarans, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this, you know, it just started raining. And we're just like, okay, so it's going to rain. You know, we're in the monsoon season. That's what happens. Yeah. But it never stopped. It was like in the evening around like, I think, five or six o'clock, I remember. And I lived in uh, North Jakarta, who's uh, historically always gets flooded uh, until recently. So I was like, okay, this is one of those days where I'm like, uh, let me check my car. Should I need to move it to the mall to higher ground, things like that. But I was like, okay, it doesn't seem like it was that bad. So a lot of people slept through the night, you know, people had parties and etc. I actually remember I was supposed to go to a New Year's Eve party at my friend's place. They were going to set up fireworks, but then everybody was like, oh, the rain seems like it's not going to happen. You know, things are not going to be that nice. So let's just go home. The next day when we all woke up, uh, I was woken up by rain still happening at around like 7 a.m. And this is like 12 hours beforehand there was already heavy rain starting. So I was like, oh, this doesn't sound too nice. Oh, wow. And then I woke up to like news and, you know, social media about like, oh, it has not stopped raining for 12 plus hours, creating one of the worst floods across the city. Um, somehow, luckily, North Jakarta was okay because of previous mitigation efforts by Aho when he was governor. But the rest of Jakarta, in particular, um, West Jakarta, parts of South Jakarta, as well as East Jakarta, basically all of Jakarta, was heavily hit. Right. Where, you know, uh, the flood entered people's homes. There were reports of floods um, reaching up to six meters in some homes. Like, And a lot of these places, once the water goes in, it's not just water that goes in, you know. Yeah. It's like all the trash, all the debris, all the mud. So a lot of potential disease harboring things and it's just it caused such a mess and such a standstill and it, it was shocking like it was the worst level of flooding anybody's ever seen in two decades and it happened just overnight that's the insane part it wasn't like days and days of torrential downpour mm-hmm. it's just one night one really bad night Bisa juga akhirnya main kayak di Universitas Trisakti. Terima kasih buat yang sudah bisa mewujudkan pimpinan DKI saat ini. Sehingga 
sehingga Rido bisa main kayak di Jakarta di halaman kampus kesayangan kita Trisakti. In classic Indonesian fashion, I don't know if I shared this with you on WhatsApp, but uh, uh-huh. you know, one of the things that I appreciate about Indonesians, like all of us, is that we can somehow see the worst situations with a little bit of humor. Um, okay. There's this video so of these two guys, just like, do you know uh, Universitas Trisakti right off the highway? Yeah, it's on like it's not even like in a residential area, but there was a video of two guys with one guy just in a canoe. Uh-huh. And just like floating through the campus, which is basically floating through the parking lot, and they were saying thank you, Governor Anis Baswedan, for giving us the opportunity to ride a canoe through our beloved campus. And then the guy just like canoes past like trees and like submerged cars, saying thank you ironically. And it's just like I started seeing these videos of the like, people like trying to deal with the floods in as humorous and as lighthearted a way as possible, but obviously shit happened like this is this is really bad you saw i saw um, people's cars floating yeah like videos of people's cars floating by like a bmw just like floating by and will never be you know fixable again um i had friends who had lost cars in the in the flooding where it was just a like, completely submerged category and what do you do So, so what is this canoe guy talking about? What has Anis done or not done in preparation for this flood? So, as a, a lot about what has sort of like been talked about following the floods, and obviously the flood happened last week, right? And there's been a lot of rescue efforts, uh, recovery efforts, disaster relief efforts to try to fix it. But now that we're sort of like kind of a few days away from the worst right. of the flooding, we you know people are starting to talking about like how did this happen and under whose watch. And obviously, the big question right now is, Anis Baswedan is the current governor of Jakarta. What you know, this happened under his watch, and so a lot of people are questioning him, like, how did this happen? You know full well Jakarta floods every year. Right. How did this happen without any preparation beforehand from the regional government? And one of the things that a lot of people have talked about is that under Anis's watch, since he became governor uh, in 2018, he has cut the budget. You know. Yeah. Uh, by a significant amount from when he first took office. So, like, I think for me, the most egregious thing is Anis understanding the general trajectory of climate change and worsening rainfalls and unpredictable weather. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a great idea for him to cut the budget 12% from 2 trillion rupiah, which is uh, a reduction of around 20 million yeah. US dollars last year. He's basically, in two years, cut it a third. So, this has been you know, like, ridiculous. Meanwhile, he allocated a budget of $1.6 trillion to host Formula E race in June 2020 to promote the like, use of electric vehicles in Jakarta, which seems like a ridiculous amount of money to spend. You know what also happened, actually, over the weekend? <clears throat> As, you know, obviously, Anis came out, you know, uh, various ministers came out, Jokowi came out to speak about and, you know, do the usual press round about the uh, flooding. I believe either on Saturday or Sunday, I remember this. Uh, so the, the, the palace press corps and, and sort of like the, the press around the presidential palace were prepared to like meet Jokowi, you know, do the usual rounds of the morning talking to him about stuff, right? Okay. They suddenly discovered that Jokowi is not there. Why? Because he went 
to the Pluit Waduk or the Pluit Reservoir, which was created a few years ago under Jokowi and Aho's time as the main reservoir to help uh, flood management in the North Dakota area. Yeah. Uh, so he went there surreptitiously. None of his staff knew that he went there. Um, so everybody in the palace was like, oh crap, we need to go there to cover this, obviously, because it's not, you know, the fact that Jokowi went there is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the press wanted to go there, but by the time they discovered this happened, Jokowi was already on his way back. So Jokowi uh, posted uh, on Instagram that he visited the reservoir, uh, mentioning that's like, you know, this is one of proper flood management can be. Right. You know, it's functioning. My area of Jakarta, North Jakarta, a lot of it is not affected by this worst period of flooding. Which is usually like the worst hit area, at least before 2007, I remember it being like the worst hit area. Oh yeah, I've, I've fled my house in rubber roads many times. It's just like a thing. <laughs> I've like sort of uh, given up on the fact of having anything valuable in my house. Um, but so a lot of people are saying that's like Jokowi's way of like throwing some shade at Anias to be like, yeah. you know, this is an example of proper flood management from you know uh, a former governor that is no longer in power because yeah. it, it shows like there are good examples to be to be used on how to properly deal with the situation mitigation works yeah exactly like proper planning works right like one of the things that aha did with the reservoir was knowing well in advance like a year in advance that we need to get this cleaned up because by the time the monsoon season hits in october you're too late yeah <laughs> should have done this months ago right? yeah you know, one of the key points about Anis's election campaign with Sandy um, in 2018 is that he was going to tackle um, flood management, right? I mean, it might just be a popular talking point, like a campaign talking point for any candidate for governor. Mm-hmm. It's talking about how do you manage Jakarta's floods, one of the most difficult problems you'll ever face being governor. But he did mention it, and he's saying, like, you know, part of our approach towards uh, governance would be creating a much more eco-friendly, a much more, uh, what they say, like tertip kind of city, a much more organized, mm-hmm. a much more functional and efficient city. And so part of that is flood management because it's going to happen every year. You have the Chiliwong River that needs to be managed and however way you can do that. Yeah. And so people are saying like, oh, we voted you in knowing that this is one of your promises. And yet here we are, you cut the budget by so much. You know, yeah, well, and- the problem is like, okay, the public policy analyst from Trisakti, the one on Joga, said that only 33% of the drainage sewer system in, in Jakarta functions well. So, like, that's like 77% of failure. Yeah. You know, like, this wouldn't have been a problem if this was functioning well. And we had the budget to actually make sure these function well like i feel like this was just like poor planning on the part of the governor and like this should have been anticipated Mm -hmm. is what i'm saying i don't know why mitigation is such a difficult thing and anticipation is such a difficult thing to enact I also think, you know, for a lot of our listeners who might not be living in Indonesia 
and you know might be living in cities that have never seen what the flooding? level of flooding. Yeah, yeah, what does it feel like to like see to you know live to be flooded and like you know? Like... Uh, so my house was properly flooded when I was in junior high. Um, and I just remember like yeah. oh water coming in through the garage, slowly rising to the like first floor. Everybody like working hard to move everything up to the second floor. Um, kind of, um, kind of accepting the fact that you'll lose some stuff and things will be damaged. Yeah, uh, it certainly gave you a perspective about what things are important in your life. But I remember when I was younger and that happened, the community came together and really brought the best of themselves out. Right. In helping each other, you know, um, people were providing aid, providing food supplies, uh, providing labor to get things out, to bring boats in, to drive people around if they had like cars that can drive through the flood. So I remember just like everybody really felt like a neighborhood. Right. And maybe that was just like I was looking at it through a kid's eyes, right? Like I was pretty young. I didn't know any better. I just remember um, staying at my uncle's place in Suntar for like a month and i was like oh this is a fun like little uh sleepover for like a month i don't know what's going on <laughs> and it's only like when i became older that i realized oh it was because our flat our house was super flooded even though i like oh wait yeah i left the house on a rubber boat like i should know um but during those times of like great strife like you know people came together and people helped each other out now as an adult you know i'm thinking like that was a positive memory as a kid because yeah. I felt like the neighborhood came together. But as an adult, now I'm kind of like I'm kind of pissed that this is still happening to everyone, right? And like I can empathize more with my parents who are like, "This should not be happening every year. Why do we like we we build our lives, we build our property? You know, you invest so much into your stuff, and then every year you have the potential for most of it to like be destroyed, right? And it's just like how can a city be so irresponsible, right? How can the government be so irresponsible? And we're privileged, you know, we're privileged that we have options. Yeah. Most people don't. A lot of the people who are, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people displaced right now don't have options. A lot of them are still staying in malls, staying in schools, staying in government buildings because they don't have homes anymore. And I just can't accept it that people are still saying like, oh, sorry, we didn't plan ahead or like, oh, this, this guy, it's this guy's fault or it's this agency's fault instead of like, you know, taking full responsibility and plan properly and use the money well you know this is taxpayer money i'm sure it's not easy like flood mitigation is not easy obviously like and it takes a lot of like years and years of urban planning but come on this is not an earthquake or a tsunami this is not the kind of thing that is unpredictable and there's limited options for what you can do this is a very different kind of natural disaster Mm -hmm. is i guess what we're trying to say um I know, and I think you know we felt pretty obliged to talk about it because, like we said earlier, we don't want this news of the floods to just be another thing that happens in Jakarta around this time of year. And then we forget it, you know, in a month or two months, because Indonesians are resilient. Too. They always see the the bright side of things, right? So they're like, "All right, we've we survived. That's good." So yeah, but then. We, we, nobody talks about like we shouldn't be surviving every single and the year. The sixty six people who died. Yeah, you know, like they didn't. It's like they didn't have to die. You know, like it's it's a preventable natural disaster. Yes. Or mitigatable natural disaster. So, I don't know. It's just sad. What a way to start off the new year, right, Stephanie? Wow, just twenty twenty, right? It's just moments like this that shows you just like how 
how fragile human life is on this earth because hey if, if mother nature wants to get angry at you and you don't want to get your shit together it's so angry at us it's so angry that said i don't want to end this episode on such a downer yeah uh, i i think something that we can take away from this is that we need to keep talking about it obviously right we as citizens of jakarta citizens of indonesia and citizens of the world like how can we bring our leaders accountable around climate change because in every country right like climate change is becoming increasingly a civic and political issue yeah like it's no longer just like something in the realm of scientists we need to bring it up to the people in power and talk about it properly because otherwise we are gonna just die on this planet (laughs) this planet is no longer friendly because we fucked it up so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, dialica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us on these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!